but it's really like um, celebrating your culture, celebrating your roots, celebrating that you are part of like something bigger, you know, than just your family or like, I don't know, your company. It's something that um, gathers us, something that joins us, something that mm, makes us feel like less alone. Our moms have a mutual cousin, Carol. Our babas have a mutual friend, Pearl. And we have a mutual love, Ukrainian dance and culture. I'm Hannah. I'm Caitlin. And this is Psi, the Ukrainian dance and culture podcast. To start off, let's do a little round of rapid fire questions. So we're going to give you two options of random things. Maybe they're going to have something to do with Ukrainian dance or Ukrainian culture. I don't know. And you tell us which one you like better. Okay? Okay. Boots or character shoes? Character shoes for sure. Dance <laughs> shorts or dance skirt? Dance skirt. Ballet or character? Character. Borscht or Vareneke? Borscht. And last one, Wollen or Hutzel? Uh, both. Can I do both? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right, now that we have a bit of background into who you are, I guess we should introduce who we are talking to. So today we are talking with our first guest on C, and with us today is Natalia, a dancer with the Virsky Ensemble. And we're coming at you live from Kiev, Winnipeg, and rural Manitoba, so let's just hope um, that it all goes great. <laughs> yeah, so in our last podcast, we chatted and reminisced about our time training with Virsky Studio. And so to follow that up, we have Natalia. And as we said, Natalia, you dance with Virsky. So I know things are a little bit different right now with everything going on. Um, but what is the ensemble up to right now? Well, before all coronavirus madness started, we were preparing for our all Ukrainian tour. Uh, we were supposed to go um, on tour at the beginning of April. Uh, we were having like dance battles with the Georgian ensemble Rustavi. And uh, uh, hopefully we will still do it. Um, they say that we will do it at the beginning of June, if everything will be okay. So I guess when everything will be over, we will start rehearsing for that. There was a big tour planned uh, in May. Uh, we're supposed to go to Chile, uh, but again, nobody knows what's going to happen because we were supposed to go um, there in May, but I'm pretty sure that uh, that won't happen. So maybe it will be postponed. Nobody knows. So, um, But apart from that, um, we had our solo concert in the Palace of Ukraine in mid-February. And uh, after that, we were actually working on some new dances. Um, so no concerts, nothing like that, just like chilling <laughs> and working on new choreographies. So during this kind of um, break, are, are dancers still encouraged to work out or dance or anything like that? Yeah, of course. But, you know, everyone understands that it's our own business because like as soon as this is over like we can we can have concerts on like on the very first day when we're back like it it's absolutely possible and it's in everyone 
everyone's own interest to be prepared for that, you know, because like, it's like after vacation, um, we usually start a little bit earlier than like our official vacation is over just because we need to work out. We need to like prepare ourselves because nobody knows what's going to happen when we're like back for work, we can have a concert and like, we will die literally. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, of course, of course, everyone is encouraged to work out, but like, for most of the time people understand that like themselves um people post videos of their workouts well we have to do something while we're at home so yeah and for most people who are really used to like being always in like in movement you know it's really hard to just stay on the sofa it feels nice for the first like two three days but after that like your body starts like needing some movement something more than you know going from kitchen to the sofa so <laughs> yeah of course so obviously this time is a little it looks different for a Vyski dancer at this particular moment but what does a typical day look like for you uh, when you are training with Vyski? Yeah, well, um, we work, we usually work from Monday to Friday. And um, usually my day starts at 8 a.m. I wake up, I have breakfast, and I go to work. So we usually start work at 10 a.m. And um, it depends, like, um, usually, like, one day boys start at 10 and girls start at 11.30, and the other day, like, it's vice versa. So usually those who start at 10 a.m. on that day, they have ballet uh, for, like, 45 minutes, um, 55 minutes, and then um, we have um, technical class. And then while the others have their ballet, we usually have a break. So, and sometimes it is a real break when we can go grab some coffee or, like, um, grab some snacks but sometimes when um, we need to rehearse something for example a particular uh, female dance or especially when we're working on new choreographies we usually like have a small break like 20 or 25 minutes and then we go to a different rehearsal room and there we like rehearse those parts that we need to sometimes it can be a solo dance for example or sometimes it can be like all female girl or sometimes for example when we need to like uh when somebody is in a new spot for example and he or she needs to go through the dance once again you know before the orchestra rehearsal so usually we do that and uh, at 12 30 we usually start our combined rehearsal and um yeah and we finish approximately at four because it's 4 30 usually starts the studio so we need to um to give the room some air and again like the rehearsal depends on what we're preparing for uh sometimes it can be like uh a slow chilled um, rehearsal when we rehearse only one or two dances in a day we like break it in parts we do only girls then only boys we do like pairs like pairs go first and like this side goes first and then that side go first like a slow one if we have nothing to prepare for if we're just rehearsing in our own pace but when we're preparing for something it's usually like a very fast paced rehearsal um, especially if it's like our solo uh, concert, we can have three or four, usually we have three or four orchestra rehearsals before that. So like every day um, we have a like rehearsal with the orchestra. Usually it's like, 
one in one shot like like a concert so yeah that's and then i come home uh sometimes i can have a nap if i'm particularly <laughs> tired um yeah have dinner usually i don't really like working out in the evening because like i get my physical activity <laughs> at work so usually it's just like tv reading and sometimes i go to sleep really early yeah well like 9 p.m sometimes this happens so how long have you been with the ensemble and what was kind of your journey into dancing with Vivsky? well it feels like forever <laughs> to tell you, the truth. <laughs> tell you the truth just because like um i started when i was five i think like five or six i started with Vierski school and uh, since then i literally lived there because like when you spend so much time in one building with the same people uh, it really feels like you live there and they're your family so yeah so i finished Vierski school then i finished Vierski studio and now i work with Vierski company so yeah it's been like i'm 24 so it's like almost 18 years those 18 years did you always want to be part of the ensemble or like where when you were younger you wanted to more or maybe when it was closer to you actually uh being in it um how long have you wanted to make it into the ensemble like actually it was a very interesting path because like when i was little i wanted to dance like hell like it was my dream when i was like very like when i was five or six uh, I was very excited. But then when it turned like 10 or 11, I had a trauma. And uh, the doctor said that I like, well, it was painful for me to dance. So uh, obviously everyone decided like, okay, well, it's not for her. And I was really happy because like as most of children of that age, I wanted to go out with my friends. I wanted to watch TV at home. I wanted to serve the internet, go on my computer. And when you had to dance like three or four times a week, when everyone else was just having fun, well, obviously I was happy that finally I can like be over with dancing. Mm -hmm. And for three or four years, I was going back and forth just because like, um, because of the trauma, because I had some problems with my health. And so uh, like for three or four years, I wasn't like dancing constantly. So, but when I turned 15, I think, and it was time in Ukraine, like I was in the 10th form. So I had one more year before I graduated from school and I had to choose what I, what I was going to do later. Um, well, my family decided that I had to study. And uh, so I started preparing really hard for my institute, for my university. But when I realized that, like, here it is, like, my future job you're gonna do international relations now like i realized that no i don't want to do international relations i want to dance but at the same time i understood that i needed something like a backup plan because my trauma didn't go away and like nobody knows what like what's gonna happen later so i needed something else so we decided that i should still go to university to study something else but i came back dancing like full-time professionally and so here i am now i went to the studio back then yes when i was in tense form and now i'm here at virsky mm -hmm. so i 
graduated from university. While I was studying there, I started my second university, which was choreography related. So yeah, like now if something happens, I have a backup plan, but at the same time I can do uh, something that I love. So here I am. We understand that your family has been always pretty involved with the ensemble. Did that put any pressure on you to, to want to focus more on dance as a career? Not really. You know, uh, most of parents who like have a really hard job, they don't want their kids to do the same. So my family has always been very open to my suggestions. They like, they were always saying that you should do whatever you want to do. They were never putting any pressure or like making me dance. Uh, but like, I would, I would even say that they were against uh, me dancing uh, just because they know how hard it is and they know that um, like it can affect your health it it literally like it changes your life like your life is never going to be the same when you're a dancer because you travel all the time like it well it completely changes your life and they wanted me to understand that it's not an easy piece of piece of bread you know and that's why um it was completely my own decision so yes obviously it had effect on me just because like i wanted to do that because i saw how it affected my parents how it affected my family i see how much they love what they're doing and um, probably how happy their job makes them i wanted the same mm -hmm. So when we met you, you had mentioned that you were studying at universities. And when we met you, um, I think you were still working on one of your degrees. Um, yeah, getting my master's degree. Uh-huh. So uh, how, how did you manage at that time when you were still in university and studying? How did you manage dancing with Bielski or studying with the studio and still going to school and potentially working? How do, how do you do it all? I have no idea. It was really hard. <laughs> like when people ask me, like, how can you find time for everything? I'm like, I can't, I don't know. Like it was, it was a very hard time for me because like, I didn't get enough sleep. I was always exhausted physically and uh, like mentally because I was really stressed because like I'm an A student and I couldn't just, you know, uh, deal with, everything you know like i couldn't just not care like i like i wanted to get all a's still so i was going to the university early in the morning like my classes started at 8 a.m uh sometimes i had to go earlier than that because i had some other classes like um extracurriculum classes that i needed uh, for teachers, for like for professors to put me credits for some of my classes. So I was going that then. And um, well, I guess the thing that helped me that I was like a really good student before. Um, so I knew most of my professors and they knew what I was doing. And um, even though I was like studying full time, obviously I didn't attend all classes. Like I asked for professors to give me some like extra tasks uh, just for me to, to, you know, to cover all those missed classes. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And um, 
thankfully, uh, during my master's degree, we only had, I think, three days of classes in, in a week. So, uh, yeah, if, if those were the days when girls started at 11.30, I could even attend two out of three classes. So it was hard, but it was interesting. When I, when I graduated, it was a very interesting feeling for me because I've been studying for like for six and a half years. And um, it was a very interesting feeling when you didn't have to rush. Like when I had, when I somehow had like extra six hours in a day and I didn't know what to do with all that time. <laughs> so if you weren't a professional dancer, would you be doing something else? What would you be doing instead? And would it, would it have to do with one of the degrees you have, like international relations or something? Or what could you see yourself doing if you weren't a dancer? I have no idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. I always say that I would be a really good minister of culture of Ukraine. <laughs> oh, that's great. You have oh. our vote. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, but actually, like, I'm not sure that I, like, I started studying international relations because it was really interesting for me. And it's a very comprehensive job, like very comprehensive degree you can do like so many things and at the same time you can do nothing mm -hmm. <laughs> like um well if if we consider like my degree i should be a diplomat but um i didn't want to be a diplomat because like i didn't want to leave ukraine and to, like actually i'm not sure but i i think that like um there are like obviously there are different um, levels of being diplomat if you work uh, in your own country um, yes it can be a well-paid job but you need to have a really big experience before you start getting your salary like an, of a normal you know size normal amount mm -hmm. and before that um, I'm not sure that it's a really well-paid job and I didn't want to leave Ukraine uh, and go you know abroad uh, to be a diplomat there so one of the things that um, make me love my job even more, like you can be a successful dancer, you can have a successful career and a happy family and travel the world and get a pretty good amount of money. So I always say that I'm a very happy person because I really love what I'm doing. And my job, like not only provides for my living, it actually like brings me joy. That's awesome. I feel like that uh, more and more people want that for the careers that they're choosing. Um, but I feel like to figure that out at such a young age, like 24, oh my gosh, like that, that's awesome that you've already noticed that about yourself and your job and that you appreciate it. I love it. Um, yeah, thanks. No, like being, being a diplomat is a really interesting job. I always say that if I had two lives, I would probably do that. Like <laughs> if I had one life, you know, I do like dancing, I have a happy family um, and all that jazz. And then I have a second one. Uh, like I would really love something that has to do with international relations because it's really interesting and it really develops your personality. You know, when you study about that, you really start understanding more about what's happening around you. But at the same time, um, I felt that when I was studying international relations, it made me really stressed out because like I, well, um, the topic of my master's degree was um, um, like 
well, in short, like the nuclear program of the North Korea. And um, the feeling that any time a bomb can fall <laughs> onto your head, it um, made me really stressful. So <laughs> it's a very stressful job. I guess dancing is uh, much better for your mental health. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so you talked about some of the reasons that you love your job as a professional dancer. Um, does part of that, is part of it because you're celebrating your, your Ukrainian culture and is that important to you? Of course, of course. Uh, because like when I was young, I was really annoyed by the fact that I have to do Ukrainian dancing. Like when I was really little and when I started, like when my um, classmates, when my friends were doing like salsa and uh, ballroom dancing, with beautiful gowns and with the beautiful with handsome boys you know <laughs> and uh, i was doing uh Volinska polka um i was really annoyed by that but when i was growing up i understood that there like it's not about dancing professionally in general it's about dancing ukrainian choreography professionally because um, I cannot explain it in words, but for some reason, when I perform, when I hear this music, when I wear this costume, any Ukrainian costume, I just feel so proud. And um, it's not, I cannot say that it's patriotism because patriotism is like, it's um, more like of a political term, I would say, but it's really like um, celebrating your culture celebrating your roots celebrating that you are part of like something bigger you know than just your family or like i don't know your company it's something that um gathers us something that joins us something that mm, makes us feel like less alone mm -hmm. if you know what i mean and uh, i remember first time performing with virsky and i'm not kidding like um uh, I was standing there, we were doing Previt, Ukraina Moja Ukraina, and um, I was standing there, the curtain was still closed. So like the first just like chords of the music were starting and I was trembling, literally trembling. And I felt like I was almost crying, like first because I was obviously very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and second, just because like this feeling of, I don't know, like something bigger, something, I don't know, something that makes you feel happier, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it was going through my body and it was a very interesting experience. I remember when we first, uh, when we were training with Birsky Studio and we saw our first um, orchestrated rehearsal of the company, you guys were preparing for a show and I remember sitting just along the bars there and watching like the company dance and then having the music in there and there's so many parts of this like so many gears that fit together and were like so well oiled and everyone was working together but like it wasn't just work you could tell that everyone was so passionate and each piece was so passionate and when it came together it was literally fire like chills <laughs> chills all over your body watching that oh my gosh it was such an incredible experience and I feel like so many people feel that when they watch Virsky and it's 
I mean, the only reason people feel it is because the dancers are feeling it and the orchestra is feeling it and everyone, it's something that you're portraying, right? That's true. That's true. Just because, you know, it's, it's really hard. Like sometimes you feel like, oh my God, I cannot do this anymore. Like my body hurts. I'm tired. And I understand that tomorrow is going to be a new day, especially when we're preparing for something and we have like several orchestra rehearsals in a row. You just feel so exhausted that like why you ask you like why am I doing this to myself you know like why are you torturing yourself you could just leave do international relations but then during the concert especially when we're doing hopak when it's all over and uh, you see the audience standing clapping like standing ovation and some people are crying in the like in because you sometimes you can see people in like first few rows like there is this voice in my head that says like that's why you're doing it and like I think it's the same for every dancer that's something that's like similar for any of us because like it's really hard it's really hard job like if people didn't love what they were doing they wouldn't do it mm-hmm. because it's the only explanation <laughs> on the topic of um celebrating and your love for Ukrainian culture. I know you you've worked with people from Canada and across the world doing dance workshops with Virsky. Before you met these people, did you realize how celebrated Ukrainian dance is around the world and in Canada? That's where we're from, so we're just going to use Canada as an example. Did you realize that it is such a popular no. way to celebrate our culture? No, of course no. Just because like um you just like I didn't know that like I knew that in Canada there was a big Ukrainian diaspora like I knew that but I like I never knew that it's so um like I don't know interested and so like engaged so engaged in Ukrainian culture like in a practical way not just like um you know, listening to a Kanelze or something like that, but actually like performing, actually developing Ukrainian culture in Canada. Like I never knew that. And so for people who are Ukrainian dancers, no matter what level they're at or where they want to be at or what country they're Ukrainian dancing in, um, what kind of advice would you share with them to help motivate them? Never stop working because like, (laughs) uh, it takes practice. It takes practice to succeed in anything and especially in choreography. And uh, be inspired, um, research, um, try finding your favorite region, for example, because sometimes it takes some time and some research to find something that you're good at because um, there is no dancer who is like, who is the best in every region because something talks to you just a little bit more, you know, uh, some people are more lyrical. So they like, they like doing slower parts, for example, some people like Bolin region because they are like very active, you know, like sharp. Um, so just be creative and, uh, don't be afraid to experiment. Um, because sometimes it feels like, like you can do nothing, like nothing works for you, uh, you can't turn or you're not flexible enough or I don't know, um, you think that you're not in good shape. Um, there is nothing that can't be done. 
um, if you want this, if you really want this, you can do it. So just never stop working on yourself, never stop developing yourself. So that would be my advice. I love that. <laughs> okay, and I have one totally random question. It has nothing to do with all this deep stuff we've been talking about. <laughs> so we noticed when we were at Virsky and, well, I guess all over Ukraine, um, ladies in Ukraine always have their nails beautifully manicured, like always such nice painted nails with, with nice designs. So most Ukrainian dance groups in Canada have like really strict rules about performing with nail polish. We aren't allowed it at all. Um, so since Ukrainian dance is your job, um, are you allowed to have manicures or do you have rules against this about performing with nail polish? Uh, yeah, uh, well, we can perform with nail, po nail polish as long as it's like light pink, nude, so nothing too bright, uh, bright, uh, no like designs. Um, if And most of the girls uh, at Vierski, um, we usually do gel lacs that last like from two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we want to do something bright, we usually take um, like regular pink nail polish. And if we have, if we have concert, and we just cover our nails um, with pink polish, like on top of gel lac, you know? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> A little trick for all the girls out there from Virsky. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And um, there is another trick, but it's um, <laughs> a little bit um, more messy. If you don't have a nail polish, you can always um, put like plaster on your nails. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but it's like... Um, something like if you forgot to paint your nails before the concert it's like you know a last minute trick not to be uh on stage with like very bright manicure <laughs> just to end it uh we have a few finish the sentence questions we'd like to ask so make your answers as long or short as you want them to be but we'll start the sentence and you finish it off okay, okay. my favorite virsky dance is to me, being a dancer means always working on yourself and uh, always doubting yourself because um, there is no limit to perfection. <laughs> when I first met Hannah and Caitlin and the rest of the Canadian crew, I thought... <laughs> Tricky one, yes. <laughs> I thought that it was going to be a really interesting year for you and um, that it was going to be really hard for you. And I really hope that you would enjoy staying with your ski. Mm -hmm. And we absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> you, um, should, you, should, you should ask like, uh, what I thought when you were leaving. <laughs> okay what did you think when we were leaving <laughs> okay so I thought that you really grew up uh, I really saw that you enjoyed staying with Bierski studio with Bierski at all and uh, I thought that it was very interesting to it were two very interesting months for you and I think that um like if we talk about your whole year, I think that you got enriched so much and you learned so much that it really helped you under Ukrainian culture. Mm -hmm. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the correct answer. Um, 
Okay, a couple more of these questions. I'm most happy when I am? Mm, with my family. Aw. And when I go to someone's house for a party or a gathering, I usually bring? Um, food. <laughs> what kind of food? Uh, something, uh, something tasty, like um, some candy or sometimes a bottle of wine, if I know that this person likes wine. For example what about a jar of your mama's pickles no this is like private thing no i don't <laughs> those are limited edition <laughs> you don't share <laughs> no <laughs> um also how many languages do you speak like fluently i can say three like ukrainian russian and english uh i understand spanish I can speak, but uh, if no one listens, <laughs> yeah, well, I, learned, I learned German and French, but I cannot speak those two languages. Like I can read in French and I would probably understand something, uh, but German, no. Although I learned it for the longest period of time, I learned it for six or for seven years at school, but I remember nothing. Like, literally nothing. <laughs> I'm sure it would come back. That is very impressive, though. <laughs> um, all right. I think that's it then. And so thank you so much for spending some time with us and for sharing a bit about your experience. We'll be back next month with another episode of C. And until then, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. You can send us an email or find Natalia and send her an email or rate us <laughs> on whatever podcast app you're listening to. And we love hearing any and all feedback you have. So please reach out. Just live on.